bless you for an opportunity to be in your presence. We exalt you, magnify your name, so your name be highly exalted. Speak to us and inspire our hearts. Bless every in our hearts. Grant us understanding into your word. Grant us insight, Heavenly Father. Minister through me, Holy Spirit, and I reveal myself to you. And may your word have its way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Good morning, church. Today is Young People's Day, and I want to appreciate my father and our fathers in the Lord for giving me this privilege and this opportunity to stand here today to minister the word. I really want to thank God for what is in our lives, what is in this church, for the young people to have a platform to be a blessing to the church. One thing about God is that God is a generational God. He doesn't do anything and stop with one generation. He has a continuity plan. One generation must hand over to the next. And he starts sometimes to create that platform for them. And when he raised me, Paul always told him, these things you've heard of me, these things you've heard of me, and you've learned from me. Teach to faithful men. Who will teach others to do the same? Praise the Lord. So there must be a passing on of the battle. Praise the Lord. When you, you read through the story of the Israelites, you find out that at each stage in their life, the Lord was always ministering to them in a generational form. When they crossed the Jordan River, he told them, bring stones and put. Let it be a monument. When your children ask you, you tell them that this is what the Lord did for us. So everything he did for the Israelites, he did it so that the next generation will know that there is a God in heaven and that he is their God. He chose them and he guided them all the way. He told Moses, bring the man and put it in a pot and put it in the ark of the covenant so that the next generation will see what you eat in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. And this was how he guided them through the journey of the wilderness. He brought them into the land of Cana. And even when a generation arose that didn't know God after the death of Joseph, he saw how God still dealt with them. And every stage of their journey, he was always trying to bring them closer to him. Amen. And I really thank God for the team of DC pressing towards the mark. We've been joining in this team all through the year, through the weekend outreach. The Lord blessed our lives. We meant to understand that it is a race that we must run, it is a task that we must accomplish. Every Christian on earth, every child of God, everybody that comes into the kingdom saved, it is a race that we must run, and it is a task we must accomplish. And we know fully well that the race of the Christian race is not a hundred meter dash, it is a marathon race. You will keep running until your days here are over. Praise the Lord. You know that in a hundred meter dash, all that is required is speed. All that it requires, you just run as fast as you can. When it comes to a marathon, when it comes to a hot race, what is required is endurance. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that he that endures to the end shall be. So you must have endurance. You must build capacity as a Christian. There are certain virtues and victuals that you must develop and inculcate in your life. It doesn't happen by magic. It's a conscious effort. It's a commitment, a discipline you must have as a Christian. We're living in an age, and it's a privilege that we are young, and we're living in a dispensation, an age of grace, where prophecies are being fulfilled. Journey through the scriptures from the book of Daniel, you see a series of prophecies. The angel came to him and said, Son of my rise, and I'll give you skill and understanding to know the things which will come ahead of time. And the Lord began to unravel different mysteries to him, giving him prophecies of what is actually happening now. So we are the beneficiaries of everything we see in the Bible. Even the men of old, they asked, they wanted to peep into what God was saying. But the Bible said that he told them to wait. It was not for them. It was for sons like us. Praise the Lord. So we are privileged to be alive at a time like this when prophecies are being fulfilled. And there's no better time 
than this to be at home with the word of God. Praise God. You must be at home with the word of God. This is the basic discipline that establishes you as a Christian. Every other thing is secondary. But it dwell the secret place which you studied last Sunday and the word of God which must abide in you. That is the primary thing as a Christian. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in the Lord. It doesn't matter the level you've attained in Christ, the stature you've gotten in Christ. You must maintain the basic discipline. Bible says, take ye the SE4. Said in the last days, wickedness will increase, evil will increase. But there's only one place where we have safety, which is where? In the secret place. He that abided in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise the Lord. Our topic today is young men, you are strong. The Apostle John was writing, 1 John chapter 2, and he was addressing the brethren, the Christians, the men in the faith. And he wrote to them, he was giving them a charge. He was giving them a reminder. He spoke to the fathers, he spoke to the young men, and he spoke to the children. But when he came to the fathers, he said, I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. When he came to the young men, he said, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Praise God. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And we know that when we hear the word young, or the word youth, the first thing that comes to our mind is what? Is strength. The young man has strength. Mental strength. Intellectual strength, capacity, abilities, physical strength, emotional strength. His whole life is revolved around strength. But John wasn't just talking about the ordinary strength. He was actually hitting at a point. Praise the Lord. And as I was preparing for this sermon, the Lord just gave me a character. A man of faith. A hero of faith. His name was listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. When the Bible is regarding the heroes of faith. The Holy Spirit just brought him to my heart and said, if you can study him and just speak a few things from his life, then the message will pass across. Praise the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Judges 6. From verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, 
that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drove them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an ark, which was in Ophrah, that, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiezrites, and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress, to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, when then is all this befallen us? And where be all this, all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come. And Gideon went in, and made ready a gift, and unleavened cakes of an ephah of love. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the ark, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up a fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in opera of the Abbey Ezraites. And it came to pass the same night, that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Bar that thy father had, and cut down the group that is by it, and built an altar unto the Lord by 
thy God upon the top of this rock, in the other place, and take the second bullock, and offer a bond sacrifice with the wood of the group, which thou hast cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by the day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the groove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who had done this? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash had done this. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he had cast down the altar of Baal, and because he had cut down the group that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one has cast down his altar. Therefore, on that day he called him Jerubah, saying, Let Baal plead him, plead against him, because he had thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and preached in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout the all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Esher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Laphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the flock, and if the drill, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the wheel together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thy anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, for this once with the fleece. Let it be, let it now be, dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground, let there be dew. And God said, and God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this was the story of Gideon. But the story of a time in the history of the Israelites. When you read Judges chapter 2, verse 10, Bible said, And when Joshua died, that a generation arose that didn't know the Lord, and they went to idol worship. And each time they fell out, God put a plan to bring them back to himself. And what he did was raise judges for them. He raised Deborah. He raised different judges for them. But this is the story of Gideon. At a time like this, when they were taken captive by the Midianites, 
taken captive by the Amalites. We saw the predicament people were passing through. We saw the intense poverty in the land. We saw the chaos in the land. When they plant crops, they come and they destroy everything. They didn't have a life of their own. They were hiding to plant their crops. They were hiding to do their activities, to carry out their daily activities. They were all hiding. Here we can see Gideon. We saw what he was in. Bible said they were living in caves. They were living in pits. They were hiding for fear of the Midianites. It was a terrible time in the land of Israel. A very terrible time in the land of Israel. But from this passage, we can pick two or three things. And then we pray. First of all, verse 7, it said, The Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian. And he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. I brought you out of Israel, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the powers of Egypt and from the land of your prison, and so and so. But after that, we saw the emergence of Gideon. And from this passage, I could pick something. Maybe we to understand that nobody's existence is actually by chance. Your existence here on earth is not a product of chance. It's not an accident. It was divinely arranged. It was orchestrated by God. The Bible said that in the book of James, each time they cried to the Lord, He sent them a judge. Praise the Lord. So each time a cry came to heaven, there was a solution that was sent down to earth. When you read the book of Exodus, in the time of Moses, the Bible said they were in captivity for 400 years, 430 years, and he sent them Moses. Praise God. So each time a cry goes to heaven, a solution must be sent to earth. And that solution comes in the form of a human being. Praise the Lord. So I want you to know that your existence is not a product of chance. You didn't come here by accident. For you to be here, there is a divine mandate upon your life. There is an assignment God has attached to your life. Praise the Lord. There is a specific purpose you came here to fulfill. Praise God. When you read through the men that God used through the scriptures, all of them came during different eras. When there was chaos in Israel. When there was calamity in Israel. When there were in times of depression, in times of trouble. And all of a sudden, God was a man. I send him to do the job of, the, of, of, of a deliverer. And this place means to understand that our existence is not a product of chance. Each child that comes into the world is actually an answer to a prayer. Praise the Lord. Anybody that comes into the world is actually a solution to a problem. Somewhere, somebody, somewhere cried. There was a cry that came to heaven. And a solution had to be sent to the earth. And God sent in form of a human being. And I want you to know, having this consciousness in mind, praise God, having this consciousness in mind, we need to understand that our lives are not a product of the union between our parents. But every child that comes into this world must actually discover the reason, the purpose why he's here. Praise the Lord. As a father, as a mother, the child that you are bringing into the world, do you know the reason why God has given him to you? Because he's a guardian. You're not the owner of the child. The child belongs to God. He has given him to you as a guardian. You are meant to tutor this. He said, I know Abraham. And I trust him because he will train his child. He will teach them the commandments I have given unto him. He has given you responsibility. He said, that's why I have joined them together that they might raise godly offspring. He has given you responsibility. Every child that comes into this world is a solution to a problem. Every child that comes into this world is an answer to a prayer. As you are seated here, there is a divine mandate upon your life. And it is your responsibility to discover it. As parents, the children you are giving birth to, have you gone to God in prayer to ask them, why is this child coming to the world? Why is this child actually coming at a time like this? We saw the story of, um, of Isaac. That was Rebecca was barren for 20 years. And all of a sudden she took ill. And there was so much stress. There was so much infirmity. The pregnancy was no normal. There was just something happening. But we say, and Isaac went to the Lord in prayer. 
and the Lord told their two nations in this week, and the younger will do what? The older will serve the younger. And God began to download to him the purpose for these children. Because through them he was supposed to continue in lineage. Praise the Lord. So there is actually a purpose to have a child that comes into this world. There is a purpose why you are here. There is a divine mandate upon your life. There is a specific purpose heaven has mandated you to accomplish. And as we heard in the, in the weekend outreach, that there is a task and a race. It's like two legs. The race you must run and finish. The task you must accomplish. Rabbi said when you come, you say good. Well done, good and cheerful servant. For you have done that which I have given you to do. When you read the parable of the talents, Bible said two went to work, while one hid his talents into the ground. And when the two came, he told him, Well done, good and cheerful servant, come into the master's kingdom and take ten cities. So the reward you are going to get in heaven is for the task you are sent to accomplish. I'll bet you are finishing the race you might get in heaven. We should believe that that's the portion of everyone seated here. But on getting to heaven, there's another task. There's a book that has been written about you. When Jesus came to the earth, he said, Here I am, behold, I've come to fulfill about what has been written about me in the volumes of the book. Before anybody sends you to this world, something has been written about you. Something, your life has already been planned and summarized. You don't have any ownership over your life. You are just sent to accomplish something that has been written. Something that has been sealed and stamped. And your own task is just to come and play it out. Praise the Lord. Look through the books of the Bible. Every moment someone rose in Israel to be a leader and a deliverer. Look at his life. You find out that from the beginning, God had destined that this one will come at a time like this. You read the story of Noah in the book, in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that when he came, the father looked at him and said, This one will comfort us from the labor that God has put on us, from the toil of the soil. And it was Noah. I was the first person in the Bible who said that Noah found favor with God. And he was the one, he's the reason why you are here today. His lineage was one, was a lineage of continuity that the, the Lord found worthy and continued from his lineage to bring us here today. There's always a purpose and a reason why you are alive. Don't take your life for granted. Don't take your existence here for granted. It doesn't matter your age range, whether you're young, whether you're old. It doesn't matter whether you're in fifties, your sixties, your seventies. There's still a purpose why God has brought you here. And the discovery of that purpose is the beginning of your journey here on earth. It doesn't matter how many years you've lived, it's never too late. So a prayer you're going to pray is that the Lord will open your eyes to discover that which you are here. You're not just here to go to the university, to get a certificate, to get married, to give birth to children and life goes, and life goes on. There is actually a specific reason why you've been sent. And we saw the life of Gideon. We saw the irony about his life. This was a man that was sent to be the deliverer of Israel. This was a man that was carrying the divine mandate upon his life. This was a man carrying the leadership grace upon his life. This was a demand heaven has singled out with a specific purpose to accomplish. But looking at the passage, Bible says something that the angel found him where? The angel found him where? In the cave. He was hiding. He was running for his life. Carrying out his activities in secret, not knowing that he was the one that was destined to be the deliverer of Israel. And it's a sad thing to know that most times we children of God, we don't even know who we are in God. We don't, we have not discovered who we actually are in God. Even the God will open our eyes to see ourselves through the lens of the Father. The angel asked him. He didn't ask him, but indirectly, he introduced himself. And what did he say? That he was Gideon, the son of Joash. His father was what? His, his family was the weakest at the least in Israel. And he was the least in his father's house. That was to show you the kind of perspective he had about himself. 
I want to show you the way Gideon saw himself. He saw himself as a coward. He saw himself as the least in his father's house. His father's house was the least in Israel. And of course, on the tribe of Benjamin, which was one of the least in Israel. That was to see, that was, that was to see the, 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 the level at which the devil had played tricks on him. The devil had twisted his mindset. He had already planted a, 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 a I don't know what I'll call it, a victimite mindset in Gideon. He grew up in captivity. He grew up running from po- and pillar to post. He grew up being salvaged and ravaged by the Amalekites and the Midianites. And that was the only thing he knew about himself, a captive. But we saw that at the point, at the appointed time, God had mercy on him. And when God came to encounter him, God had to give him a true definition of himself. He said, thou mighty man of valor. He didn't call him Gideon. He didn't call him the son of Jewash. The Lord addressed what he was seeing in Gideon. Praise the Lord. He came straight to the point. He said, thou mighty man of valor. Go in this thy might. So there was a might in Gideon. The book of John said, young men, ye are strong. There was a might in Gideon, a strength in Gideon all along. But he never discovered it. He didn't even know what he was destined to be. He didn't know what he was carrying inside of him. The ability, the grace of God that was inside of him was lying dormant. He was carrying the omnipotent God inside of him, the potency to do all things. And yet he was running from the Midianites, hiding in caves, hiding in, in pits. But thank God that at the appointed time, God met him. Praise the Lord. And I pray that God will meet somebody today. Praise the Lord. This was a young man. This was a young man that was set apart for something great, something awesome. But we saw how his family background had limited him. His mindset, his environment, the crisis of his nation. So many voices speaking. And the voices are giving him a definition about himself. They gave him an identity which he carried all through his years. An identity of a captive. An identity of the least in his father's house. An identity of Gideon, the son of Joash. And his father's house was the least in Israel. That was the identity. That was, he said, bring your CV. That was what was written on Gideon's CV. And I don't know why a young man would write such a CV for himself. I thought in a CV you would try to praise yourself and boost yourself. So that when the employer sees it, only your CV alone can captivate him. But this was the CV Gideon gave himself. But thank God for God. That when God encountered him, he gave him a true definition of himself. And as you continue to read the life of Gideon, you will see that that encounter with God turned his life around. Praise the Lord. I pray that God will encounter somebody here. That on virtue of this, your life will be turned around. If only you know who God has called you to be. If only you knew what you are carrying inside of you. Young men, you are strong. That strength is inside of you. The ability of God is inside of you. That's the one demand all these years, but God has come to reawaken it in you. The boldness he has given you, the confidence you have in God. It must be reawaken, it must be strengthened. Praise the Lord. So many capacities, so many capabilities, so many talents, which was the Lord has put in many of us. But we've allowed our environment to dictate for us the kind of life we're supposed to be. We've allowed the society to dictate for us the kind of life we're supposed to live. We've allowed our family background, the circumstances, situations around us to tell us who we are. And we think because everybody is doing it, so our life is supposed to follow the same pattern. They tell you you need to join the group. You need to join the bandwagon. Everybody is doing it. You need to join the winning club. And unconsciously we've joined the bandwagon. Our mentality has been tampered with. Our spirit man is dormant. And each day we are just living, existing from day to day. Looking for the next day to come. With so much ambitions. So much, so much plans. You're already planning for the next day. You're planning for your children. You're planning so much. The world has so much encumbered us with business. Encumbered us with activities to keep us busy. And for once, so many people seated here today 
have not really discovered the purpose why God has brought them on earth. And it's a very sad thing. Bible says that the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. How will the sons manifest when they don't even know what they carry? How will the sons manifest when they don't know what is hidden inside of them? That's why the creature will keep waiting and waiting and keep lavishing in death. And the sons who are supposed to be deliverers to the creatures of the world, to the nations of the world, to their generation, will just come and pass and nothing will be said about them. I pray that that will not be a portion in Jesus' name. Because when God wants to help a man, the first thing he does is to have an encounter with him. We know the story of Paul. When God caught him and arrested him, he was the one that made the statement pressing towards the mark. Through the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you will read the story of Paul gradually. He wrote his story about how the Lord caught him from the book of Acts of the Apostles and carrying on. This was a man with so much zeal, so much passion, so much agility, so much vitality, everything in excess. An excellent student, a barrister, read under the best of tutors. But we saw how everything about him was channeled in the wrong direction. And heaven was waiting for him. In the book of Colossians, he made a statement that the Lord has separated him from his home to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And yeah, this was the same man that was persecuting the church. He was carrying so much. He was carrying what it required to liberate the Gentiles, to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And this was the man persecuting the church until God had to intercept him. God interrupted his life. God had to turn his life around. And we see that the same Paul that was the persecutor of the church turned around to become the Paul that we are celebrating today. The same Paul we are reading his epistles today. Something happened in his life, praise the Lord. And I pray that we are going to have that encounter today. Everywhere he went, when he preached, he always talked about the Damascus encounter. Because that was where God actually arrested him. God apprehended him. God turned his life around and defined himself and gave him a true definition about himself. God had to reveal himself to him and reveal himself also to him. Because there are two things God must do for you. God will reveal himself as God to you in his own dimension. And God has to reveal your own self to you to know who you are. So many people don't know who they are in God. They don't know what they are crying, what they are carrying. They are carrying the spirit of God, but they don't know. They don't know the capacity they have in them. They don't know the abilities God has put inside of you. So God must reveal himself to you as God. And he must also reveal yourself to you so that you will know who you are. You must know the purpose why you are here. You must know the abilities inside of you. You must know the mandates hanging on your shoulders. There is something heaven has singled, has singled you out for. And you are the one that must perform it. Praise the Lord. Whether you are a father, whether you are a mother, whether you are a young person, it applies to everybody across borders. Thank God for Paul. God had to interrupt him. It was a divine interruption, a divine arrest, a divine apprehension. And from that day onward, his life changed forever. This was a man that was meant to be an apostle of apostles. A man carrying so much grace, terrible grace, dangerous grace, dangerous wisdom, unusual utterance, unusual knowledge. And yet the devil played tricks on him. And he was the one persecuting the church. But thank God for Paul. But the Lord turned his life around and he never remained the same. I pray that that will be our passion today in Jesus' name. God has to open your eyes. When you pray the prayer for the officials, you say that the eyes of your understanding might be open. He needs to open your eyes to see yourself through the eyes of the Father. When you open your eyes to see yourself through the eyes of the Father, your perspective and definition of yourself will change. You will not call yourself by your name. You will call yourself by the name God calls you. Praise the Lord. You read through the life of David. There was something that struck me about his life. Nobody saw what was inside of him. His father didn't see what was inside of him. His siblings saw him as a shepherd boy. Everybody around him didn't see nothing in him. But there was a man that gave a testimony about him. Let's go to the book of First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16 verse 18. 
that's a very force from the King James Version. Then answered one of Saul's servants and said, I have seen a son of Jesse. You would have seen a son of Jesse. The Bethlehemite. The Bethlehemite. That is skillful in playing. Skillful in playing. And a mighty with mighty violent man. A mighty violent man. And a man of war. And a man of war. And a and prudent in matters. And a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Praise the Lord. You can see the testimony man gave about David. This was a man that didn't know David. This was a man that was not even connected to him by blood or by birth. Everybody around him, living around him, nobody saw the potentials God had put inside of him. But this was a testimony another man was giving about David. A valiant, mighty man, a man of war. As of the time when this testimony was given, David had never fought a battle. David had never gone to war. So how did he know he was a man of war? How did you know that this young boy in, in the wilderness, organizing ships, was actually a valiant man? How did he see the might that was inside of David? Jesus asked his disciples this question, who do men say that I am? And Peter gave him so many answers. Say some said you are this, some say you are one of the prophets. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter said you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, flesh and blood, he will reveal this to you, but the Holy Spirit. So actually, Everybody, people that were coming to Christ for miracles, coming for healings, nobody knew who he was. They were just coming, they saw him as bread. Let them come and eat. Let them come and tap from him. They had problems, let them come for healing. They had issues, let them come for solution. But their eyes were blinded. Nobody actually knew that he was actually the Messiah, the Savior. They kept asking, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yet, the Master was standing in front of them, teaching them and doing miracles. And nobody knew. But thank God for Peter. At least one person that knew and said, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. It's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal this to you. So as you are seated here, it's only the Holy Spirit that can carry out the work of revelation about your life. He's only one that can open your eyes to discover what God has put inside of you. Young men, you are strong. The strength lies inside of you, the might is inside of you. But by flesh and blood, you cannot find it. By flesh and blood, you cannot prevail. When you try to do it on your own, you will fail. You read that from the life of Moses, the first part of his life. When you try to do it on your own, you will fail. It only takes the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he encountered Gideon, after giving him a definition about his life, giving him a true revelation about himself, the next thing he saw that the Spirit of God rested upon him. And he blew a trumpet. And what happened? The whole man gathered to him. So this was a man that was a war general. This was a man that was a leader. The grace of leadership was upon him. But he was hiding in the caves, hiding in the pits, living a life of cowardice. We didn't want any problem from anybody. We didn't want them to catch him. We didn't want anybody to stress his life. But this was a man that was meant to be the deliverer of Israel. I pray for you that you will not leave this life and leave this earth empty-handed. That you will not leave this life and fail your generation. Bible says something about David and he served this generation before he died. I pray that you will not leave this life a disappointment to your generation. You must fulfill the purpose why God has brought you here on earth. He blew the trumpet and everybody gathered towards him. And that was how God saved Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And he began to rule and charge over Israel. But the Spirit of God had to rest upon him. To quicken him. To empower him. To strengthen the ability of God inside of him. And that's what the Holy Ghost must do in our lives today. Praise the Lord. The strength in our lives was maximized by the Holy Ghost. How do we do that? The word of the Lord must abide in you. 
John said, I write to you because you are strong, and the word of the Lord abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The word of the Lord must abide in you. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord must abide in you. Now we say, these words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He came to Ezekiel and told him, Son of man, eat this crow. So you must not just read, you must get to the point whereby you eat the word of God. It must, it must be in you. It must be written on the tablets of your heart. It must get to the point whereby it's not just about the written word, but that you eat it as soon as that you become the living word to your generation. Wherever you are, you become a living epistle men can see. Wherever you are, men can look at your life and say, yes, this one is Christ-like. This one is a solution to our problem. This one carries what we need. Praise the Lord. You must become the living word to your generation. It's not just about reading the word. It's not just about eating the word. It must get to the point where by your life as a Christian becomes a living word to your generation. Praise the Lord. The Bible said the word was made flesh in him, full of grace and truth. He was a master. He came. The word came, entered into me, fertilized that, and became in Christ the master, full of grace and truth. That's the same thing the word must do in your life. Praise the Lord. It must make flesh in your life. It must saturate your heart. Then he said, how can a young man keep his way straight by doing what? Abiding to the word of the Lord. He said, your words have I found, and I did what? I ate them. He said, your word has made me wiser than all my teachers. Your word has made me wiser than all the elders. Your word has made me wiser than all the enemies. We found that in the life of David, which battle he went for? He went to the Lord and asked him, what are you saying about this matter? So he was a man of the world, he was a man of the secret place. We spoke about the secret place last Sunday. And it can never be overemphasized. Because your strength as a Christian lies in your communion with God. Your strength as a Christian lies on the quality of your, of your time with God. The quality of your relationship in prayers. The quality of your relationship with your Bible. The quality of your relationship with God. That's the source of your strength. Praise the Lord. The amount of God you have inside of you is what quickens you. The amount of God you have inside of you is the secret to your strength. I will say those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. This was Daniel talking. In the days of old, those that know that God shall be strong and do exploits. The knowledge of God inside of you it was strengthens you. The evil one will surely come. The days are getting more evil. Wickedness is on the increase. Men are, are falling out of the faith. The love of many are waxing cold. So what will keep you at a time like this? What will empower you to finish the race? What will keep putting you to accomplish the task? It can only be the word of the Lord. This is the basic discipline as a Christian. Every other thing you do depends on this foundation of the word of God. Peter said we give ourselves to the word of God and to prayers. Let others have tables. Let others focus on other many duties. But we ourselves, we give ourselves to the word of God and to prayers. Because that is the foundation of your Christian life. Praise the Lord. That's the foundation of your faith. The devil will always come to steal your boldness. He will come to steal your confidence. To destroy your faith in Christ. He's going to bring situations, challenges, pressures from everywhere. So that they will dampen the faith you have in Christ. Your confidence in Christ is a target. Your boldness in Christ is a target. Once he can tamper with it, your faith comes crumbling down. But I pray that that will not be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. So your boldness must be quickened. Your confidence must be restored and revived. Your faith in God must be restored. Your faith in God must be revived. Your faith must be strengthened. You must feed it daily. You must feed it daily. It's a daily commitment. It's a conscious effort. It's a conscious commitment. Praise the Lord. This is what John saw and said, young men, that you are strong. Because he saw that there was a might lying inside of them. There was something dormant in them they need to reactivate. Paul will always to 13 
and said, You, the things you have heard of me, do them. The things that I have taught you, do them. The things you have seen in me, do them. When he was looking to you in 1st Timothy chapter 4, he said, Give yourself to the doctrine, to the teaching and to the preaching of the word. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. And give heed, give diligence to these things. When you read the book of 2nd Peter chapter, chapter 1, you read from verse 5 to 8, he said to your faith, add diligence. You just have so many things you add. I said, if you do these things, if you are bound in these things in increasing measure, you will not be barren or fruitful in the knowledge of God. Everything you need to cement was was on the knowledge of God. When Paul was speaking to them, he said, grace and, and peace will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Christ. Peter will say, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. They must, they must, they must, everything they were hammering on was what? On the knowledge of God. So there is a knowledge you must grow in Christ. You must grow in the knowledge of Christ. You must grow in your relationship with Christ. The wisdom of God must abound in you. Praise the Lord. He prayed the prayer for that the spirit of wisdom and revelation might be given unto you. That you will mature in the knowledge of Christ. The church is not a place for celebrities. Where one man is the superstar and everybody is going to start from him. The Lord expects you as an individual to grow in your faith, to grow in the knowledge of Him. That when you need Him, you can approach the throne of grace and tap from the Master. You are not just dwelling on what your pastor said. You yourself, you have access to the throne of grace. Praise the Lord. There's this knowledge you must have of God. You must get to the level where you know God for yourself. Every man that God used, every man that was instrumental in the hands of God, something was written about them. They knew God for themselves. God had to take them through series of encounters series of experiences, a journey through life, through the wilderness experience, so that they will come to know God. He came to Abraham and revealed himself to Abraham in a different dimension. When he came to Moses, he revealed himself to Moses in a different dimension. He came to Jacob and revealed himself in a different dimension. You can never know enough of God. As a pilgrim on earth, you must keep pressing deeper into God. Paul kept talking about pressing and pressing and pressing. He knew what he was talking about. Through the weekend that which we heard that it was a persecution, you must persecute into God. You must press deep into God. You must have a desire and a hunger to keep going deep into God. You must keep going deeper and deeper into God. Your statue as a Christian is dependent on your death in God. You must know God for yourself, praise the Lord. As a young man, even in a time like this, you must know God for yourself. The challenges are much. The pressures are much. And they will yet increase. Circumstances around you are saying, the world on its own, has a different message to offer. The world will always want to discourage you. Voices will always speak into your ear, speaking into your spirit. All of them are trying to challenge your faith in God. But it's only the knowledge of God that can sustain you at a time like this. Because only those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the grace we share in this church, that we can come here and receive the word of God raw. But it's not enough. As you go back to your places, as you go back to your homes, you must have your, you must commit yourself. It must be a conscious effort you must put in. It's like a building. You keep adding blocks on top until the whole structure is formed. On your own, you must press deep and deeper and deeper into God. When you get to know the world for yourself, when you get to come into a loving relationship with the Father, as He reveals Himself to you, you become a solution to your world. You become a solution to your generation. You have the solution even before the problem arises because the Lord will always speak. He said, Will I do anything without revealing it to my servant Abraham? Because of the relationship we had it in. He will not do anything without telling his servants the prophets. Whatever is happening in Nigeria today, there are men that God has revealed it to. 
Nothing happens by chance. When the time of the book of came, the Bible said that this is by the decree of the watchers and the decree of heaven. A decree had gone upon his life. The dream had come to him. Daniel had explained everything to him. So before it happened, the Lord had revealed it to him. Nothing happens by chance. But the closer you come to God, I will say, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. The closer you come to God, the closer God reveals himself to you. As he reveals himself to you, he builds your stature. He builds your maturity in him. He builds the knowledge you have about him. That whenever you find yourself, you are not shaking. The devil cannot play things with you. The situations, the challenges, and the presence of the world have no hold on you. Because there is something within you. A strength that, must, that, that has been cultivated within you. A power of God that is within you that quickens you. The Bible says this power dwells in you, it quickens your mortal body. Praise the Lord. And this power is the Holy Ghost at work in us. And I pray that the Lord will help us. But as we have heard this word, that this word will make flesh in us. This word will be seen as a seed in our lives. That we bet forth our growth, our maturity, and our stature in the realm of the Spirit. We must discover the purpose while we are here on earth. The divine mandate of going upon our lives is our responsibility. We must believe and we must accomplish the task. The book of Colossians, it says, Tell Archippus, see to it and to the task that you that you accomplish it. So there is a, a necessity has been laid on you. A demand has been placed on you. You must deliver. You must accomplish the task which God has given you. If not, so many, so many will be in bondage. If Gideon never realized who he was, if he never rise to become who God has destined him to be, people of Israelites will continue suffering in bondage under the Israelites. But thank God that he arose. When God spoke to him, when he realized himself, he stood. Like Ezekiel, he said, the spirit of the Lord entered into me, and he set me on my feet. It's the word of God that can quicken you and empower you. He stood on his feet. He availed himself to God. He was willing, and the Lord used him. And delivered Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Through the scriptures, the men of faith, the heroes of faith, everyone the same testimony alike. I pray that the Lord will encounter us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that the Lord will reveal Himself to us and reveal ourselves to us. That we will not just walk around living like the those of the world that are hopeless. There is a hope we have in Christ. Rather, because it's the blessed hope, and this hope make it not ashamed, because we know who's been here and we know that He's well able to keep us unto the perfect day. He that has begun a good work in us will do well to perfect it. Let our faith in God be strong. Let our knowledge of God grow deeper. We must not play with our secret places. We spoke on that last Sunday. The secret place of the Most High. We must continually dwell in it. We must create time for it. There is no excuse. If you give an excuse, don't worry. By the time the presence of the world come and hit you, you will know that your only source of strength can be in the Lord. When David fought through the battles and through the wars, Bible said that when it came to the breaking point, when the men wanted to stone him, when their wives were carried away, that he went to the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. This was a man that was used to dwelling in the presence of God. When the battles arise, when the challenges come, he runs back to God and he gains strength. He draws grace from God and he comes out to lead the people into battle. I pray that this will be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. It's wonderful to know that God has given a verdict of our lives. And the verdict of the verdict of God is not the verdict of man. The man can say anything about you. He can look with the eyes of men and speak. But when God speaks, his word is final. And he has given a verdict over your lives. The Bible says, I need the words, the plans I have for you, plans of good and 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 what you shall bring it to an expected end. The verdict of God over your life stands. It doesn't matter what the devil is doing. 
Doesn't matter what the principalities and powers are doing. There's a credit God has given over your life, praise the Lord. And the verdict of God over your life must stand. This is the will of God concerning his children. This is how the men of faith live their lives through the scriptures. Paul, through the challenging times, he knew where his source of strength was. He knew where his faith was anchored on. And he knew that God would never disappoint him. He said, I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Even when the world can see whatever they want, when men can speak what they see, only God knows. And only God has the final word. And it's only in him that you can really discover yourself. It's in him you can really discover who he has created you to be. It's in him you can suffer the strength and the ability he has put inside of you, which must be maximized through the word of God and through the secret place. Can we burden our heads even as we pray? This was the charge of John to the young people. He said, "Ye are strong and the word of God abides in you. But the question is, does the word of God really abide in you? Does the word of God really abide in you? Does the word of God really abide in you? He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask anything and it shall be done. Does the word of God really abide in us? Have we made it a point of duty to be at home with the word? Have we made it a point of duty to seek the Lord in the secret place? Have we made it a point of duty to know God for ourselves? Are we satisfied with that which we get in church? Are we satisfied with what we've heard from other men of God? Are we satisfied with what we've seen and what we've heard? Is there a hunger in your heart to really know God for yourself? There is a strength that lies within you. A power that must be activated within you. Have you only come to really know God as your Savior? You ask Peter, who do men say that I am? We thank God that Peter knew that he was actually the Christ. Have you really come to know him as the Christ? Have you really come to know him as your Savior? Have you really come to know him as your Lord? These are questions you must answer for yourself. You have age. You're a young person. A decision that you must make on your own. Have you really come to know him as your Savior and as your Lord? Who is he to you? Who is he to me? What have you known about God? Have you encountered Christ? Has knowledge of God been made plain to you? He said, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Can we talk to God? I will dedicate our lives to him this morning. I will renew our commitments to him this morning. I will bring ourselves before him and submit ourselves before him in humble and in meekness and in reverence and ask him to help our lives. And ask him to help our lives. Something has been spoken about us. Things have been written about us in the volumes of the book. But how much of it do we know? Can we ponder over our lives and begin to ask God for his mess? Singer said, you have shown me so much mess. Our life is a product of God's mess. And if we are going to get to the promised land, it's only by His mess. If we are going to run this race and finish strong, it's only by His mess. If we are going to accomplish the task He has given us, it's only by His mess. It can only be by the grace and the mercies of God. And if you are here, you don't know you Him as your Lord, as your Savior. It's a time for you to make peace with Him. It's a time for you to come in reverence, to confess and to acknowledge him as your Lord and personal Savior. Even as our Father leads us in the place of prayer. Standing at the door of your heart and knocking, wants to make you a son. And you want to know him as the Savior. You are tired of living by yourself. And you want him to save you from your sins. That's why he came. Please raise your hand where you are. Let's pray with you. The Spirit of God is telling you, 
you have not found life, you see, there is that life found in Christ, dropped in Christ, surrendered in Christ. Just raise your hand where you are. Let's pray together with you. I want to make peace with you, Father. And I want to see struggling on my own like Moses in the strength of his flesh. I want your spirit to indwell in me and give me the power to be your child. Is there any hand that is up? This is a moment. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the day of salvation. The Bible says you believe with your hearts unto righteousness. You know you're a sinner, you acknowledge, and you confess with your mouth unto salvation. Whoever in faith will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You paid the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary. I am a sinner. And today, I surrender my life. I surrender the whole of my being unto you. I repent from my sins. I turn away from them. I turn back to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me of my sins. And give me the power to be your child from today onwards. In Jesus' name. Lord, as many as receive you, you give them the power. You give them the power to become your children by a turn, a change that we do not physically explain, but is true and is spiritually real, that makes a difference in them. The power to be your children, the spirit that you deposit in their life to be a witness that the old has passed away and all things become new. Lord, we ask, that this takes place in the life of your son now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the old things pass away. Let all things become new. Write his name in the book of life, and grant a newness of spirits, and a peace of heart, that shows that he is your child. From today, living you, and walking with you, and moving in you, all the days of his life. To the glory of your name, in Jesus' name we pray. And Father, for the rest of us, we ask, O God, that the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and in your power, will open our eyes of understanding and grant us, Lord, a knowledge again of how deep, wide, long, far, and broad your love for us is, and the greatness of the riches in Christ Jesus, and the boldness and the power in being your children, in remaining your children, in proving your call upon our life, in rising up to God in the newness of spirit, quickened by your power, and fulfilling your grace upon our life in the name of Jesus Christ. The young people, the older people, the older men and women, the retired men and women, the younger generation, 
Lord, you have written unto us, because we are strong, because your word should abide in us, and because we have overcome the evil one. Lord, may your spirits weaken us in our body, in our mind, and in spirit, to live to this reality in the name of Jesus Christ. May each day be a day of living in the power and authority of your grace. Living out your will in our life. And proving your strength even to the generation around us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be suffeited with your word. Your word that comes into us. And that dwells richly in us in all wisdom. And inhabits in us. That as we open our mouths, we can minister grace. We can minister in songs and hymns spiritually. And we can also be wise. And we can be equipped. And we have the raw material for your spirit to act through our lives. To fulfill the reason why you have made us your own. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for old. Thank you for young. Thank you for fulfillment of grace. And thank you Lord for reactivation of your work with you. In the secret place. And in dwelling in your world that fulfills your mandate upon our lives, be exalted and honored. In Jesus' name we pray.